Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. It still doesn't have a name. This is Dave, as always, and I am joined by Jeff. Jeff, how are you? Um, I'm a little sad about the Patriots, but uh, otherwise doing, doing pretty well. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was a, just a horrible, horrible loss. I, I haven't seen the offense play that badly since, like, the R- Rache Caldwell days. Yeah, I know you're really fond of uh, our buddy Rache. Um, yeah, it was a tough one. Uh, you know, I thought Titans were going to be a tough opponent for us. And uh, the, the running game, Derrick Henry, bad weather, was kind of a recipe for disaster. But, uh, you know, at least now some other teams will have a shot for the Super Bowl. So that, that'll be kind of exciting. Yeah, the rest of the country can now have something to look forward to. Exactly. Um, so we are joined this week by Jalen, uh, who is one of the wrestlers in the documentary Wrestle. Last week we were joined by Chris, who is the coach. And Jeff and I were so impressed with Jalen that we, we decided to bring him on this week. Yeah, so there's some folks out there who might have listened to the last episode of our podcast. And we had Chris Scribner, who is the head coach of J.O. Johnson High School's wrestling team, uh, which is now Mae Jemison uh, High School varsity wrestling program. They have turned uh, some folks into state champions, and among them is Jalen Young, who is joining us. Jalen was one of the key figures in the documentary Wrestle. And if people haven't seen the documentary, they should. But even if you haven't, hopefully the discussion today will still be interesting um, and, and uh, you know, kind of exciting. Uh, Jalen was a, a high school wrestler. He was an Alabama state champion. He now is on a full scholarship in college and has a pretty interesting story to tell. So, Jalen, how, uh, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm making it. I am uh, just enjoying my time away from my classes that they're right around the corner. Awesome. So, yeah, I, I, I think just for folks who don't, maybe don't know who you are, you know, assuming that not everybody has seen the documentary Wrestle, uh, why don't you tell folks a little bit, just in your own words, who you are, your background, and you know, kind of how you ended up in this documentary, and and kind of what that journey looked like. So I'm um, Jalen Young uh, from Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, you know, just a young, <laughs> striving kid, trying to uh, do the best that I can and not repeat what has been done in my family. Uh, I found myself in the documentary. Uh, you know, I, I don't really know how to explain it. Uh, I guess I just got to first give thanks to God for just putting me in a position to even be in the same space as those guys. Uh, because a year before uh, that film crew got there, I don't, I don't think, no, my sophomore year, I almost didn't come back to Russell. Uh, I came back to Russell my sophomore year and a uh, year before that I was homeless. So uh, first, I'd have, have to give thanks to God to be able to put me in a position to be around those guys around that time. And I uh, also just thank God for giving me the opportunity to be the person that I was able to be during my junior year, to be one of the main characters that, uh, you know, everybody seems to love. So uh, I guess I just found my way into the documentary just through God, through, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, and so, you know, the documentary is largely about your experience wrestling in high school with your teammates. Um, They kind of touch on your background. You mentioned that you had spent some time uh, where you were, had been homeless, I guess, before your junior year uh, when they, when they were doing the filming. 
and the documentary touches briefly, you know, how you didn't have certain parent figures growing up, but yet in the midst of all that, you end up at the end winning a state championship. You get a full college scholarship. You're giving speeches uh, that are very, you know, electric speeches, uh, very well composed guy in the midst of all of this, um, you know, I was, I, I was a wrestler myself. Wrestling's really hard. But, you know, when you're watching the documentary, you don't necessarily see, uh, you know, you handle it all so well. I guess, like, I'm just kind of, I was curious, like, where did you get that from? Like, you know, did you have certain role models, um, certain mantras or things that motivated you to be successful? Um, you know, a lot of, you know, kids when they're 16 years old don't, don't have nearly even half the, I think, the emotional maturity that you um, – kind of exhibited in the documentary and I'd love to learn from you kind of where you think that all comes from, whether it's role models or, or elsewhere. I have to give a lot of props to my dad when I think about how I was able to just hold my composure and, you know, just never like wall out. Uh, my dad told me very, very early. Uh, and I don't know when did he tell me, but he told me um, like, he never let anybody see you anything but happy because once they know how to make you anything but happy, they'll continue to do that because they know how to like knock you off or just to catch you off your grip. So for me, I've just always held myself in the position to stay, if not happy, then I am content with what's in front of me. Um, Cause I just, I don't want people to be allowed to know how to get me out of my position. Cause once they do that, you know, they're going to continue to do it because they know me so well. So, you know, as I said, I've, I've just try to stay at least happy and if not happy, not stay content with the situation. And that's just, you know, done a lot for my, like my emotional awareness for many things that I've been through. So, Jalen, I think one of the things that really impressed a lot of people throughout the documentary was your composure and mm -hmm. how professionally you handled yourself and how driven and, articulate you are as like a young man and one of the most difficult scenes in that documentary to watch was the incident where you were caught doing pretty small crime and, and you did have this this incident with a with a local police officer who was over being overly aggressive can you talk a little bit about that incident yeah so in that incident and you know there's the argument that i did urinate in public, which is true. But what if I could <laughs> myself go back and document yeah. what was going on from my point of view, I had walked up a hill and down the hill was maybe like forests and trees and in front of me was no kind of public buildings. So and, and Jalen, just for context, how, how old were you during this? I believe I was 16. Okay, so you're a young kid. Yeah. 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 Sorry, keep yeah. going. 16 and uh, so yeah, so maybe he was, I think he was only able to see my head and up, but for me to stand stationary with my back to the rest of what was behind me, he could easily draw that I was urinating in public. Um, so once I had came up the hill and came back down to meet with my teammates, he had stopped me and, you know, he interrogated me. And I, I don't really, uh, you know, I've, I've watched that film X amount of times. And as I try to remember exactly what happened, uh, yeah, of course he was like somewhere in the cut and I could not tell that that was a police vehicle. It was unmarked. And, um, he quickly 
pulled up to me and asked me, I believe he asked me what I was doing when he was visibly able to see what I was doing. So I just went on ahead and I believe I told the truth about what's going on. And one thing that really just, you know, did not hold me to be so content throughout that situation was that he was asking me questions about things that weren't relevant to what was currently going on. And I, I think he was just, you know, he was asking questions that it, it was just irrelevant. So he asked me, what would my mom think? And for me, being a 16-year-old kid then, I haven't seen my mom since I was maybe one or two years old. So when, when he asked me that, it kind of just, you know, it touched me the wrong way because, yeah. okay, I'll answer this question, but, you know, what do you get out of knowing what will my mom think? That's, you know, that's irrelevant right now. And then he maybe asked me about what my grandparents think. And I just told him, like, I don't want to answer any more questions because he was just, he, he was giving me a hard time. And I believe through him asking me, asking me those questions, I, I maybe gave him a little bit of an attitude, but it was, you know, it was reasonable. And I was, I was, as I was talking to someone else about this, I can't think about any other time where it would be, where it would be appropriate for another grown man to reciprocate the energy of a 16 year old. So that also, as I realized, that recently maybe in that moment that's what also just made me like not so happy because you know you, you asked me just tell irrelevant questions um and you're also just reciprocating energy that i'm giving off when you could just be the bigger man you're maybe like 40 something years old or something i wasn't sure how old he was but yeah and that scene i i i, I kind of did lose the best of my composure just realizing the way he was doing the job and it you know it rubs people the wrong way when they see that, and I think they also realize what went on. So, yeah, in that moment, he just he kind of honestly caught me uh, not in the best position. Find out how to rub me the wrong way. Yeah, and I could I could totally understand how that how that could uh, rub someone the wrong way. Can you talk a little about the relationship? Uh, you know, I think one of the things that was it was was one of the things that was really interesting about the movie was um, you had so many different people with different backgrounds. And I'd love to know your particular relationship, you know, being homeless at a, at a certain point and growing up in, in Southern Alabama. And I'm sure this is really complicated. What's your relationship like with, uh, with the police? Cause that was, it was really interesting to see the first time that you were, were, it reminded me that you were a 16 year old kid when I saw that scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that wasn't the first time I was maybe frisked by police. I believe maybe there was, maybe when I was 12 or 11, I was with one of my friends and we were walking to a grocery store and we were just walking to a gas station to get some snacks and candy and all of that. And I seen a cop in pursuit and I stopped and I watched him and I obviously saw that he was in pursuit. His lights were on and I watched him go by and then he had did a U-turn as if he did need to take care of whatever was going on. And he pulled over to me and my friend and he asked, what was I looking at? And I told him I was just watching him do his job. And then he, um, he said, like, Oh, you want to see me do my job? So he made up some reason to go run my name through the system. The, like, I, I'm not sure his excuse for doing that was to make sure that uh, we weren't missing children. And it's broad daylight. We're just walking down the street to go and get some candy, get some snacks and then go home. And, that was the first real experience I've had with a cop uh, misusing their power and just, you know, frisking for the wrong reasons. Uh, there was also a moment, not a moment, there was a time where 
I believe I was leaving the football game and I was going to a gas station to get gas. And I was walking through the doorway of a gas station and they had sliding doors. And I seen a cop walking past, well, walking out. And I was also trying to walk in, but I seen him maybe a couple feet before he was leaving out. And as I'm walking into the store, he's like mirroring my every step. So by the time it gets time for me to walk past him, I'm not going to just bump into the guy or trying to like shove him out of the way. So I just thought he also wasn't trying to move out of the way. So I just like slid my back against him, like trying to avoid him. And as I did that, he turned around and said, watch where you're stepping, you fucking asshole. And in that moment, I'm not, uh, I'm not sure what happened with the town, but I believe I raised my hand and I'm not sure what I was going to do with my raise with my hand, but my sister was I, she just came out of nowhere and grabbed my hand and the cop walked away and I kind of just stood there and I was just I, I, I was I was just in shock that that even happened I, I was trying to wrap my mind around what did I do to put myself in that position to raise my hand at the cop or for him to respond to me like that or for him to like try to walk through me um but yeah those are two of the most notable uh moments of my experience with police in Alabama at least Um, Jalen, I'd love to chat a little bit about wrestling a little bit. I'm a, I was a former wrestler, so I'm a little, maybe a little, uh, I'm always eager to, always eager to talk wrestling, but you know, you talked a little bit about maybe having a love hate relationship with wrestling. Maybe you were thinking about quitting before your junior year. Uh, I think a lot of folks who wrestle have a love hate relationship with the sport. When you look back on wrestling, what it, what does it mean to you? You know, does it, um, you know, do you feel like it was an important part of your life? When we, when we spoke with Chris, he said it was really more about the people. And I think that's always true. And I, uh, I'd love to learn a little bit about your experience with wrestling, what it, what it's meant to you. Um, and I'm, and as part of that, I'd be curious to know if you miss it at all. And, and Jalen, I want to just tag on to Jeff's, uh, question as well, too. Uh, I'd love to know why wrestling as well. You could have done any sport. You're in Alabama, football capital of the country. Why wrestling? Yeah, so <laughs> I, was, I was always deemed too small to play football. Uh, you know, anytime I thought about it, I wish that I could go out there and just be on special teams and be a kicker. But the guys at my high school, they were like – they weren't jocks, so they didn't come off like jocks, but they were just like too, too alpha male for me at the time. I was way too small. So being in a weight room with them and being at practice with them, I, I did not think I would be comfortable, so I never took that route. Basketball, I tried out. So did a hundred other people uh, my freshman year. Um, so I didn't make it. I didn't stand out in the five minutes I was able to play. And uh, just throughout my freshman year of Scribner, I had this class. And at the initial meeting for all freshmen, like the orientation, he had mentioned um, that he was starting a wrestling team and that anybody, if he asked if anybody wanted to be on the team and, <laughs> like nobody raised their hands, so he was always just out to uh you know recruit people to uh be on the team, so it came to a point in my freshman year where he recruited me, and he was like, "Hey, if you stick around for x amount of time, like I'll buy you dinner <laughs> and of course, in the position this I was sounds, in my freshman year like, like, okay. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I took that offer up, and I stuck it out for maybe maybe a month or two. But I was going, I was going into my uh, problem with myself 
and I wanted to move in with my dad, but my dad didn't have a home, so I found myself homeless for half a year. And um, Scribner was able to see a great part of that. Uh, he saw all of it, I, I mean, but there came a point uh, maybe in May when I, I, you know, we were going to, I believe we were leaving a wrestling practice because he was, you know, still on me about wanting to get back into it. Uh, I was training with a club in the off season and uh, he had seen that I had my stuff in trash bags or Walmart bags. We had to go to two different places to like get my clothes and get my school material. So he had told me like, you know, like this isn't the life that you should be living and that, he knows that I, 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 I won't be living if I was at my grandparents' house. So he urged me to go and stay at my grandparents' house. And, you know, he was just continuing to be on me. And I came back to Russell my uh, sophomore year of high school. And just for Scrib, uh, I guess the reason why I stuck it out, because he just always showed me that I have the potential and that I shouldn't settle for less or settle for what I see around me. I should always want to strive to be my best self. And that just pushed me to, you know, return my sophomore year, and do the best that I could. I was able to make state that year. I made state the next year. And the Wednesday, my senior year. Um, and to also answer the question, do I miss it? <sighs> I miss it, but I've been out of the game for so long. I was able to practice every winter break that I went home, and I I am out of shape. So <laughs> uh, I miss what I was able to do, but I don't miss going there every winter break to try to wrestle with the guys. So <laughs> I. I miss it, but I don't miss it. Well, Jalen, when you as you get older, that's going to get even worse. So take it ah, from yeah. me. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, overall, what do you think? You know, I guess so. Like, what? It sounds like yeah, you might not miss it so much. It gets a little harder as you get older. Um, you kind of went from. It sounds like you picked up the sport pretty late. You know, picking it up in mm-hmm. sophomore year is pretty late. Um, but you but you still ended up winning a state title. What did that mean to you to win a state championship? Um, how exciting was that? And what did, what, you know, what, what did that kind of teach you, I guess? Well, one thing that I can say that it did teach me is that you reap what you sow. And, you know, I was always working my hardest. Uh, you know, I, I quit and I came back my sophomore year and I saw the guys that were around me and I was inspired by them to keep going. And I saw that I could work harder or as harder than them. And that's just where I first learned that, you know, what I put into this is what I get out of it. I don't think I would have learned that if I was maybe on a basketball court, you know, because you have five other guys, well, four other guys, uh, including yourself out there, you know, with your game plan, uh, football, you know, you have all your guys out there who you can hold accountable. But when you get on a wrestling mat, what you do in that practice room, it's going to show up at the competitions. So just through that, I was able to apply what I put into something that's what I get out. And that's just what took me to work so hard towards winning that state championship. I just, through my off seasons, I worked. During the season, I worked. I was inspired by what was around me, but I knew I wanted to be better. Um, yeah, so just that lesson alone, uh, it carries so much weight even today as I'm in the classroom. You know, I am responsible for what I want to get out of something. I can't expect to be somewhere and be at least average or just be there and expect to get something out of it. You know, you have to actually work towards something. 
So, you know, yeah, for me, wrestling has just told me that, you know, what you put in something is what you're going to get out. You can't just expect, you know, exceptional results just for being there. You have to show up and show out. So, Jalen, at the beginning of the interview, you mentioned that you were homeless at one point. Um, Mm-hmm. I, I'd, I'd love to know how long were you homeless for and how old were you? Uh, that was 2015. It was half a year. 2015 for half a year. I had left my grandparents' house in November, December, and I had went with my dad, but my dad didn't have a home. So I just found myself sleeping on couches or sometimes just sticking around outdoors. Um, it was really rough. Like, uh, I, anytime I'm back home, I'll drive through where I used to just roam around and just try to find places to fit in and just, you know, make sure I can stick around there for a while. Um, yeah, it was for half a year from November, December until May of 2016, I believe so. 2015, it was maybe 2014. I'm not sure, but yeah, it was for half a year. And at that point, before wrestling started, what did you see as your pathway to a better life? I, I never had a plan. You know, uh, you know, growing up in North Alabama, the outlet was always, it seemed, sports, and it was either football or basketball. So I believe yeah. I wrote myself a letter. Maybe, maybe I was in fifth grade, and I wrote to my eighth grade self. And I read that eighth, in eighth grade before I went into my freshman year of high school. And I told myself that I would, like, be at the University of Alabama, like, playing football for Coach Saban. And I was too small. I thought I would grow, but that wasn't the case. So my, my, my meal ticket out always seemed like it would be sports. And I had no real plan behind that. Like, it was, it was, it was just a dream at that and not much work towards that dream, so. It, I'm, I'm always very curious as someone who is dealing with all of that. Did it lead towards anger or resentment at one point? I, I mean, we, you were all these wrestling tournaments, obviously like the, the, the film made it very clear that where you guys were wrestling was, it was a lot of white wrestlers, white people in the crowd. And I wanted to know like, how, how did that, it did turn, you, you just said it did turn into anger and resentment at some point. No, well, I guess at first what kind of angered me was that it seemed like I, I was looking at it from a materialistic standpoint. I saw that these guys had, like, Team Warmoth that looked better than ours, uh, a training facility that looked better than ours. And I was too focused on the materialistic point. That's what kind of angered me for the beginning. But then I had to sit back and realize, like, we have a singlet. We have a warm-up. We have a practice facility. We have the same resources as these other guys, even if they're not the most fancy high-tech things. We still have the same resources as everybody else, and we just have to use what we got to be our best selves. So in the beginning, I, I, I would be a little angry looking at other teams and seeing the resources they had, but we had the same. They just weren't the same quality. But if they were put in the same situation as us, they would you know, work with what they have to get the best results out of it. So. Was there any at some point when, when you were homeless, was there any, uh, you know, Jeff kind of mentioned how when you were growing up, you know, what was your, what was your role model for, for 
being the way you are right now, which is a, a motivated, very professional young man, when you were homeless at some point, like were there moments where you were about to get off that track? Wait, can you clarify that question? Yeah. So when you were, when you, during that time when you were homeless, was there ever a moment where you were thinking like, I, I don't know if I'm going to be going to school anymore. I, I don't know if this is, if I want to go through the route of going to college, like what, what was going through your head at that time? Yeah, honestly. Uh, so of course I was homeless. I had no money. I barely had clothes on my back. Um, so the way I would get to school was a shuttle bus and pretty much every day it seemed like I did not have the money to get on the shuttle bus. So eventually I missed so much school that I was just thinking like, mm, I can't make the school. Maybe school doesn't for me. So I was very close to dropping out very close from the amount of school I missed. I also, the crowd I was surrounded by, they were not the best performers in school. They didn't care much about school. So I was influenced by them to believe that, you know, maybe there's another outlet for me. And that outlet was not favorable. Uh, so, yeah, at that point, I've, I've, you know, I've also just contemplated just, I've contemplated suicide during that period because I, I feel like I lost everything and I had not much to live for. And I knew that my outcome from where I was was not favorable. And it, it just, I don't know, it, it, I, I, I didn't see anything good coming out of it. So it's like, if this is the worst, what gets worse than this? You know, like, will I, will, will I be able to push through that? So I kind of almost defeated myself. But I, you know, quickly, you know, lost those, those thoughts. And I, you know, I didn't get right back into school, but that was in the back of my mind that I know that I'm better than this and there's gonna, you know, there's gonna be some way out. So at a point, school and life is just almost not in my future. Yeah. yeah. And, and Go ahead, uh, Oh, sorry. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's uh, just listening to that, you know, it, I think it shows how tough you are on um, most wrestlers are, are pretty tough. And, uh, you know, they say that the toughest wrestler gets third place. That's what my, my old wrestling coach used to say, because you had to, you had to wrestle back after losing and, and kind of come back to, you know, get, do the best that you could, which at that point would be third place in a tournament. In the documentary, we see you do that. I think in your junior year, you win it your senior year. And then at the end of the documentary, they touch on kind of where everybody is now. And you end up landing a scholarship at Berea college in Kentucky, where you are now a junior would love to hear from you. Um, you know, it sounds like you are on a great track in life. I'd love to learn about how you're doing at Berea college, a little bit about the school, what you do there. And, you know, as, uh, obviously you were talking about the plan that you had for yourself, writing a letter for yourself as a fifth grader, reading it as an eighth grader and thinking about what your future would look like. You know, now that you are a little bit older, I'd love to hear as well kind of what you think the future might hold for you. Um, so we'd love to, you know, to touch on the experience in college and where you think you, you'll be heading. So currently, you know, I'm a junior. I am studying. Uh, well, I'm majoring in business and administration. I'm concentrating in accounting, also minoring in communications. Uh, through doing that, I hope to get my CPA. That is at least 
two years after I'm done teaching, I've applied for Teach for America. Uh, I, through the work of Scribner, so many teachers in high school to, you know, take me out of the position I was in as they were on the clock and even off the clock, I have no other desire but to service a community just as good as they did or better. So my service project just to give back is to go into a community and teach and try to reciprocate the energy that they put into me into another child. So I want to do that. I want to teach for maybe a minimum of two years. And as I'm teaching, I want to be studying for my CPA, my certified public accounting license. Uh, by the time that I'm done teaching, I want to have passed my CPA or be ready to pass. And after I'm done teaching, I want to work as a certified public accountant. So when I, when I, that, that's an awesome plan. And I look forward to, I connected with you on LinkedIn. So I'll make, you know, I'll look forward to, to uh, you know, seeing as you progress and following along. But when I interviewed uh, Coach Scribner a couple of weeks ago, he said that you would probably make for a phenomenal salesperson. And he even said that you could probably have sold me the piss from the documentary. <laughs> Is that true? And what are your thoughts on that? Are you a good salesperson? Uh, to say a year might be a stretch, but I feel like I could be a good salesperson. I'm not sure. The year was clean. <laughs> I can say that. Yeah, that's a good sales pitch. But uh, uh, yeah, I think I could be a good salesperson. Is that where I want to see myself? I'm not sure yet. I'm not sure yet, but I think I would make a good salesperson. Nice. Um, cool. Well, well, I guess just kind of cutting back to the documentary, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff. When I, when I interviewed Coach Scribner, he was saying that there's so much that, you know, the documentary is, isn't even chronological in parts. They're obviously kind of piecing together different bits to tell a certain story. And throughout the course of an entire wrestling season, there's a lot of different things that happen that don't necessarily get covered. And obviously people get portrayed a certain way. And even the people that are portrayed in the documentary are just a handful of people who are actually on the team. Like for all I know, you had teammates that were awesome wrestlers that weren't featured or had, you know, interesting stories that weren't, told in that documentary. I'm sure of that. But, you know, what are some of the things that you thought were maybe not covered during your time uh, in high school and specifically during that, the filming of that documentary that you would want people to know that, you know, they watched the documentary, but um, maybe there's pieces of information that are missing that would be important for them to know, at least from your perspective. As I think about the documentary and there is great coverage of the team and I don't really feel you get the greatest sense of the community that we're surrounded by um you know you get a little bit from the cops and our community but you don't really you know get a feel for the real people in our community you know you get to know Jaquan's mom um you get to know Jamario's mom you get to know my grandparents Tad Bitt and Teague's mom but you know I think they weren't able even to give the best sensitive community that we're in. So, uh, you know, still a great movie, you know, the way that they covered, you know, us four and Scribner, but the community is something I don't think that they really got a feel for. Okay. And what, what about the community would, would be important for people to know in your eyes? Well, I, I just don't think the film. So for instance, James, someone, uh, Sebastian's dad, who has 
been in prison, but now he's out. I don't think they dialed in on how for so many people, the parents are having a hard time with their kids because of what they have went through that they cannot really be themselves in this community. So it limits how this parent can be on their child because of what community looks in on them. So yeah, just from that, I don't, I don't, there's not much to say about what the community sees in the parents that were shown in the film. You know, I can't really speak much for Jaquan's mom, Jamario's mom, and Teague's mom, but maybe a deeper dive into them to understand the community that they're surrounded by and how it affects how they are on their kids. So. Okay, cool. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah. And, you know, we, when we talked with coach Scribner about that, he, he, he kind of mentioned something similar that, you know, that they don't, you know, there's certain, he thought that it was really well done, but that there's a lot of um, things that maybe you don't see. And, and actually, you know, one of the things that I'd be curious about, I mean, obviously you see certain interactions between uh, Chris, you know, Coach Scribner and you and, and other athletes on the team, but we, we obviously don't get to see all of them, right? We don't know what your relationship is truly like with your coach. And notwithstanding that he'll probably listen to this and hear what you have to say, but I'd be curious to learn a little bit about what coach Scribner meant to you, uh, you know, as a coach or as a friend, um, you know, what was his impact for you, you know, in, not only in the documentary, but just throughout your time in, in high school. So since the beginning, since the first interaction with Scribner, he has held many titles. Uh, you know, he's my teacher. He's my coach. Um, you know, sometimes I can admit that he's like, been like a father figure even though yeah he has no kids but he's always just been there for me and like all of my teammates and even students in his classroom Scribner has really been the reason why I strive so much more for what's in front of me um, Scribner just always shown me that I have much potential and that my you know stretch is far from just my area code you know he's shown me that where I am I can be way further than that you know the way he was continually on me about getting back into wrestling uh the way he's always been on me about classes and even to this day how he's always you know checking in on me um to see how classes are going to see you know if I'm doing good if I'm mentally you know in the right place um emotionally to make sure that I can get to my days uh Scribner's just held many titles and he's just been the best role model since our, you know, initial interaction. So Scribner, he means a lot to me and I cannot go about my days and not be my best self knowing that the work that Scribner has put into me will go to waste. Scribner is like my biggest, one of my motivations for why I go, you know, as hard as I do, you know, he's really, show me so much on why I deserve and why I am capable of so much more than what I might settle for. And, you know, I, I really thank him for that. And I don't think I've ever told him that, but I publicly thank him here for that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and before Scribner got a, a hold of you for wrestling, it sounds like he like made a pretty hard uh, recruitment. Um, 
what did you channel your energy focus and time into? Well, can you elaborate on that question? Yeah. So you were talking about how at wrestling, like one of the reasons you were so good is because it's all about you. You get control how much effort you put in. You get to control how much time you put in. So you clearly are a very motivated, focused uh, person. Where did where did that energy and focus go prior to wrestling? Was was there anything in your life that you were uh, that you were focusing on? No, <laughs> school was was hardly even that. There was not much that I put focus into or time into before school beyond just what I was supposed to do. I mean, before wrestling, beyond what I was supposed to do. Once I wrestled, what I learned on the mat about what I put in is what I put out just transferred into the classroom. It transferred back home. It stuck with me on the mat. So once I wrestled, I don't think if I wrestled, I would be in the position that I am in today. Wrestling is like just the, the simple lesson of what you put in is what you get out has affected me in every area that I've been in. So prior to wrestling, I wasn't, I, 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 I had not a lot to put anything into or anything that I was putting anything into beyond just the bare minimum of school. Yeah, Jalen. And, uh, you know, so it sounds like wrestling ended up being a good conduit for you to put some of that energy into. And, you know, obviously it's kind of what, how you got connected Scribner in some sense, but, you know, as I guess, as we start to wrap up here, just kind of curious, like what your, your takeaways, you know, the doc, you saw the documentary, I'm sure it portrayed you and your friends in a certain light. And maybe in some ways it was positive in other ways it was negative, but as far as the, um, I mean, I mean like from your perspective, right? Like, you know, it's obviously not going to capture perfectly, you know, who everybody is, but as you think about the documentary, what do you want people to, you know, I know you didn't make the film, so it's not like, you know, you necessarily have an intention for what people should take away from it. But when you watch that documentary, you know, it sounds like you've seen it a few times. What would you hope that other people take away from it? So when I think about that film, one thing, well, a couple of things or two things that I hope people take out of it is that as we look at life, we always want to maybe point a finger at, oh, this is the problem or that's the problem, but we don't first realize where we are like our greatest enemies and we don't really take the time to seek out what can we put into something to get out of it. We always have our hands out to point or to get too much out of something instead of putting our hands in to see what can we put in to also get out of it. So yeah, first, just that um, we are our greatest enemies and that we are in charge of how far we want to get in life. It always starts with ourselves. Secondly, I just sort of found want people to realize a glimpse of what goes on in North Huntsville. You know, you're able to see that through me, Jamario Teague, and Jaquan, the lifestyles that we lived, um, what our home life was like what it was like for us as we go into the community. Just to give a bit of awareness to North Huntsville. So those are just two things that I hope people get out of that film anytime they watch it. That's awesome. 
Yeah, and you're somebody who, you know, I think is uh, in, in that regard, a real icon for that message. Um, you know, you really, you know, kind of felt like you could control your own destiny. Wrestling was maybe a way that helped you, you know, learn that. And, you know, you're, you're off doing some really great things. I guess as we close out here, do you have any last thoughts or words for people that are back, you know, back home out there thinking about watching the documentary or if they've seen it, something that you would want them to know about you that they might not have learned about you, um, I guess is our, our final question. Ah, hmm, something I want to, well, <laughs> as perfect as the documentary may make me seem, I'm, I'm not that perfect of a guy every day. I still have a battle with myself and my community, but Again, like I say, um, we are our greatest enemies and we are how we get past those things. So um, I just don't want to be a figure for perfectionism. Maybe that's not me. Uh, I still have my battles. And um, the reason why I'm able to even get past any of those is because I realized that first it starts with me. Once I realize myself, I realize how to get past it. Um, yeah, that's I, that's... Yeah, that's what I want them to get lastly out of me. Awesome. Well, I appreciate appreciate it. I know that you are busy going back to school in a couple of days, but took a little bit of time out of your evening to chat with me and Dave. We are really honored that you did that, Jalen. Thank you so much. Um, congratulations no to me. you uh, on everything that you've done. And um, Dave, any any last words? Yeah, Jalen, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate the candidness uh, and, uh, and confidence that you had coming in here. Thank you. Thank you so much.